and welcome back to another episode of Loss of Down. I am your host, Stephen Weed. Of course, always joining me, my main man, who uh, all of a sudden has a new side chick here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Wally, how you been since the last time we spoke, my dude? I'm doing well, and yeah, you alluded to it a little bit there, but I have a new show going on and a new podcast with a couple buddies from school at Ohio State. It is Pigskins and Nylon. That comes out on Friday or Saturday mornings. If you are a Big Ten sports fan, check us out. It's the same thing as it is here. Spotify, Apple Music. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and all that. P&N Pod on all three. Also, real quick for you, Stephen, former Ohio Media School co- or I don't even know what to call it, co-student of ours, Trey Modlin. He's over at WERE 1490 AM in Cleveland, and I'm going to be on there Tomorrow, or if you're listening to this, today, which is going to be Thursday, I had to look at my watch, Thursday, April 22nd, from 5 till 6, again, it's W-E-R-E, with Trey Maudlin, 1490 AM. I'm done giving you a little plug here now. Sorry about that, Stephen. Back to business. What's going on with you, buddy? Nothing too crazy. Had a nice, relaxing weekend. Took the old uh, beautiful girlfriend down to Hawking Hills for the anniversary. So got to lay in the hot tub. But most importantly, we got to play 18 on Saturday. So played 18 Saturday. Played nine here yesterday. I'm starting to get the, the itch back here a little bit. To finally get my ass off the couch. Enjoy the weather. Although it did end up snowing here on this gorgeous Wednesday. So I don't know what the fuck is happening. And now it's supposed to be 80 here next week. I don't know. I'm getting furious. But as Wally always likes to put it, just wait 15 minutes. I'm sure the uh, weather will change here in Columbus, Ohio. Fuck you. Is that an invite or more of a threat? Regardless, I'm taking it with a grain of salt. Well, you should. It's always an invitation. You're you're more than welcome over here. You got the cranberry residence now, so you know we're five minutes apart. That ain't no problem. You know, my mom and uh, stepdad actually were pretty upset that they haven't ran into you at the Giant Eagle gecko recently. What's up with that, man? What what can I tell them to get them off my back? Well, it's easy. I've been not drinking beer as often because I'm trying to lose weight. I used to have a second home at the get-go over there on the 228 exit, right where I ran into your stepdad. And that's the unfortunate part is with Wally trying to watch the LBs, I don't go in there as much anymore. It's only for the fake dip ZYN stuff instead of Copenhagen like it used to be. So unfortunately, they aren't going to see me unless it's some healthy place and I look out of place there. So they should recognize me real quick. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking to him right now, mom. Yeah. He says he stopped drinking because he's a huge pussy. I don't know why. That's most likely why you're not running it, running into him at get go. But no, I'm not going to tell him that we're in the middle of recording. Anyway, my mom is not too thrilled about that one, Wally. No, no, I get that. It, I, I'm gonna be better. I'm gonna be better. I'll start drinking again for everybody once I, once I shed down a. Once you cut off an X on the shirt tag sizes, then I can start doing it. I just can't be having two X's before my L on my shirt. I'll just take a regular XL. Then I'll start throwing the Yinglings, the icy lights, all that back again, and we'll be in business. That's what I like to hear. In due time. Trust the process, Wally. Like your beloved Philadelphia 76ers, just trust the process. Oh, this is how the show's going to be, right? Is this what we're doing today? Yeah, I've had a bad day at work. I need to attack someone. Just let it all out. Kylie's at work right now. None of my buddies are texting me back. So yeah, you're, you're just the next one up. Next one up. That's all right. Hand up. It's fine. Real quick. I know that we're not a baseball podcast. I can't help but point out, as this is getting recorded, the Pittsburgh Pirates are 8-9. 8-9. That's right. P 
people thought they'd win like 50 games all year. They're out here just keeping pace with the rest of the dogs in the NL Central. This team's electric. Don't ever give up on the Buccos. Eight and nine. That reminds me of the uh, inevitable record for the Dallas Cowboys this year. And I cannot wait. Oh, that's a great segue. Let's just start talking football again. I mean, I keep throwing this off and going into baseball now. Oh, I guess we have other things to talk about, too. There's other sports with pre-stories. So I'll let you get into that before I completely railroad you here. So we'll start off with Aaron Donald, who was recently accused since the last time that we have recorded here uh, of assaulting a man at a nightclub here last weekend. Him and other people that Aaron Donald was associated with. Come to find out that the guy actually wrongly identified Aaron Donald. And if you actually watch the video, Aaron Donald's seen ripping people off of the man who honestly got the living shit beat out of him. You guys got to look up pictures. His eye just swole up to the size of a soccer ball. It looked ugly. It, it all pointed to, well, Aaron Donald definitely threw hands with this guy. Ended up coming back. The guy issued an apology to Aaron Donald because that's not a good look for him. Yeah, it's ironic because we saw something similar a few weeks ago with Bruce Campbell, the former Raiders draft pick that everybody thought was absolutely knocked out cold in like a Walmart. Then we found out, unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever way you want to look at it, it wasn't Bruce Campbell that got KO'd in the Walmart. It's a little bit different because this is the one where Aaron Donald, he's like, you know what? Maybe we can keep it on the the DL a little bit. Like I'd love the, the extra street cred of, just out here bodying human beings on and off the football field. But I'm sure he's also, he seems like a great dude. Pittsburgh guy right here, went to Pitt. He's a pride and joy of the area. Would love to see him, not for me as a Steeler again, but I'd love to see him somewhere around the East Coast again at some point in his career. But that's neither here nor there. I'm happy that he's okay. It would be terrible for the NFL if you have a guy like Aaron Donald get hit with something like this and potentially have to face his suspension. So I'd much rather he be the one to get off opposed to the other person we'll be talking about later in today's show about not potentially getting off with battery down there in Louisiana. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's just change gears. We'll keep it in the football world. Well, funny story-wise, we have the Cincinnati Bengals unveils their new uniforms, which I don't really see too, too much. You know, they got four. You got the all-whites. You got the white with the black bottoms, and you got your orange and black jerseys. I didn't really see too much of a difference. I do think that they need to come back with the all-blacks with just the orange stripes. And that was mine. There's really nothing too special about this uniform. Are you real crazy about these, or do these stick out to you at all? I like them more than the ones they wore last year because they don't have that weird white stripe up the side of the jerseys. And I don't know, they ha- they kind of had that feeling of, you know, back in the early 2000s where teams tried to like move into more of a futuristic look and it just didn't work sometimes. They kind of looked like cheap jerseys. The ones they have now, they're simpler, they're nice, but I think it was intended that they were kind of a callback to the Peter Warwick, Jeff Blake, Ocho Cinco, like Bengals, Corey Dillon Bengals of the 90s and early thousands before the change. I think everybody, including Bengals fans, would have just much rather prefer them go to that jersey and like kind of what the Browns did. Just say, hey, you know what? Hand up. We made a mistake. We're going to go back to the old ones. I wish the Bengals did the same thing. Maybe once the shells, the one shell rule gets changed and they can have a white helmet or a chrome helmet with the all white. These would give you a little bit more of a splash, but for right now, 
it, it left a little bit to be desired when you looked at these. I have no idea what it is with Ohio professional football teams, but they literally will just change a little bit. Like remember when the Browns changed their jersey two years ago and it was just like a different shade of orange and no one, literally no one knew what the difference was, except for like all the art majors out there. It was like, well, that's actually a skylight orange as opposed to a peach orange. Like, all right, but it's fucking orange regardless. I barely see it. But yeah, I want the old school boomer size and bangle on the side of the helmet. Single bar included. That's the throwbacks of the retros that they need to sprinkle into their mix there. I'm actually happy that you said that because a lot of people don't like those Bengal uniforms with the one word Bengals on the side opposed to the stripes. They're a classic clean look, that old school Tiger too that they had. It would have been cool, even if it was just for one or two games a year. I think Bengals fans would love to see it. And plus, you kind of pay tribute to the late, great Paul Brown with that as well. So I think that would have been great, even like I said, for one or two weeks a year. But I have to bring up, you brought up the browns and the shade of orange change. I must have completely missed that. My head must have been in the dirt because I didn't even realize they changed shades of orange at some point. Yeah, they had the uniform change where they had orange numbers and they were like high school jerseys looking for the three years that we'll all very soon forget, with the exception of the Baker Mayfield color rush jerseys, which are awesome. Well, that just kind of proves to you that the orange or the change of the orange on the brown wasn't even that big of a deal because everyone's like, whatever, fuck it. It all looks the same. Or me personally, I thought I was just getting older. My eyesight was going. I was like, is that a different shade of orange? What the fuck is happening? I'm only 28. It should not be happening. Well, I'm, I appreciate you noticing that because I simply didn't. And I hope, I hope they are done changing. Because I like the the browns uniforms right now. They're I know they're kind of a little bit, boring to some people that don't think orange and brown should be paired on a uniform. They're classics, man. They look awesome to me. I wish Brown Yelf could be like the midfield logo or something that could be incorporated a little bit more like they tried to do with Swagger a few years back. But outside of that, I know they're boring. I know that orange is the, the focal point of NFL in Ohio, but I like the Bengals and Brown's old school jerseys. I wish the Bengals went back to them as well. But who knows? They'll have to wait at least three years now with the uniform rules. We'll see if the rest of Cincinnati enjoys them. So switching over here to the basketball world, the estate of Kobe Bryant and Nike have officially ended their contract. Now, Kobe's been with them since 2003. You know, from Vanessa, it seems like they had differences with money and the amount of shoes that they are able to release. Because obviously, as you remember, once Kobe Bryant did die, the resells of his shoes went through the roof. Obviously, Nike wasn't making that money. You got all those sneakerheads that are out there hustling it like it's cocaine and heroin. They're just slinging it, you know, left and right. Like I said, Kobe being there since 2003, it is mind blowing not to see that Kobe Bryant Nike, that Venom shoe release that he has. Do you realistically think that the estate is going to walk away? They're not going to come to an agreement or Kobe was with Adidas the five years that he was a pro prior to signing with Nike. Do you see a possibility of going back to the old roots? Maybe I'm making this completely up. You'll have to tell me real quick if I am. Wasn't there rumors that Kobe, before he tragically passed away, he had potentially been entertaining the idea of maybe going his own brand route outside of Nike? Or am I off there? I don't know that off the top of my head, but that definitely seems like a Kobe Bryant move right there. Kind of like what Jordan did with his brain, where he's still Nike, but it's a whole different conglomerate over on his side. But he's... I don't know. I guess he's still like a subsidiary of Nike. Subsidiary. Look at you with the big words right now. This is nice. 
word of the day, I have it on my toilet paper. Just rip it off. You're like, I thought it was subsidized for a while. I had to really spell it out, really sound it out. No, that's perfect. I appreciate that. Well, yeah, it does sound like a Kobe thing, though. Kobe was always pushing the realms, not only on the basketball court, but outside of it. He talked about how he wanted to be more successful off the floor than he was ever on it. And he had the work ethic to potentially get there. So it is a real shame that we're not going to figure out where that could have gone. But whatever Vanessa, whatever that family chooses to go, that's their business. I'm hoping the best for them. I will say this, though. I know there's a lot of sneakerheads out there. I never have been one that's been obsessive over like, oh, wow, the LeBron 17.7s are coming out on Friday. That's not who I was. I will say this. When Kobe's shoe came out, I want to say right around when he was going for either four or five when the Little Wayne song came out about him, there was the new Kobe Mamba shoe where it was a black, purple, and yellow. And I remember going to the store and buying a pair a size and a half too small because they didn't have any larger pairs. And I'm like, oh, I need this shoe that bad. And I would play in these shoes in my friend's backyard and wouldn't be able to walk for like 12 hours after because my foot was getting that old school. I can't remember what culture it is. Yeah, where they try to shrink your foot on purpose. It's called foot binding. It's really popular. I believe it's in China. Maybe it's just all over Asia. But foot binding is what you're thinking, bud. That's why I need you. I needed to know about my little tiny feet and why they need to be shorter. And I tried to make them shorter. So this was a big deal back then. I loved it. But yeah, ultimately, I hope that, I mean, I just hope there are more Kobe shoes. And that's me selfishly as a Kobe fan wanting that. But whatever Vanessa and them do, like I said, I'm rooting for them. Hope that it helps in whatever they're doing. You you know the drill. I, I got nothing else to say. This is a Kobe podcast over LeBron, so just just so we know that that's clear. It can't it can't be a Burger King and a LeBron podcast. You got the Burger King aspect. I'm bringing the Kobe aspect. No, I completely agree. I still have my Kobe jerseys and Kobe T-shirts from when I was in like middle school and high school, and I'm convinced I'm going to somehow magically be five foot four and a buck thirty five tomorrow, and I still have them as if I'm ever going to fit into him again. I just can't bring myself to let him go. Bulimia is a real thing that causes real results, Wally, so I would definitely look into that. Identity theft is not a joke, Jim. This is also a Parks and Rec podcast over the office. Why are we referencing that? We both agree to that. No, we're, you're 100% right. A lot of people don't know. That. Like, The Office is a great show. No one here is saying The Office isn't a good show. Parks and Rec is a better show, and I will die on that hill. I think we're very much on the same page. We will die there together. Hands being held, yinglings in the other hand, potentially a joint in the mouth. Yeah, we're going to go together. It's going to be like Toy Story 3, where we're all just holding hands going into the fire in the the trash pit. Of course. I think it's more or less uh, Toy Story 4, where you're just going to be dragging me around. I'm trash. I think that's a more accurate description of us. That is a perfect description of us, actually. I think that the only problem with it is we both would be trash. So I have a real, real question for you. Obviously, love Toy Story. Why is it named Forky when he's clearly a spork? Should it not be Sporky? Maybe that's why he wanted to be a toy so bad. I don't know. There's no good reason. You watch it and it just frustrates. It's like you're. I'm holding out my palm. You can't see me right now, but I'm holding out my palm. 
How is this a fork? We all know what this is. It is a spork. Just say, don't lie to us. Don't lie to me. As a man coming up in the South, eating a spork with my Bowberry biscuit, I find it insulting, quite frankly. Nonetheless, Tony Hale, the voice of Forky, and if you don't know him, he is Buster, the brother on Arrested Development. That is the only saving grace of that inanimate object. I got nothing to add. And with that, let's dive into some football news here. Not, not too, too much here this week, but enough for me to drink a beer, stay in the office late to record this with my guy, Walter. Alex Smith, the reigning comeback player of the year from this previous season, has decided to retire from the NFL. Going out on a high note, not a Peyton Manning, Ray Lewis high note, but this is the highest note that he can go on. Three-time Pro Bowler, you know, came back last season, obviously winning, winning comeback player of the year after a horrific leg injury about, what, 18, 19 months prior to that. Came back, led the Washington football team to a playoff appearance behind that amazing defensive line that Wally is constantly orgasming about. Alex Smith ending his career 27th in passing yards with slightly under 36,000. Tied for 46 overall with 199 touchdowns. Fun fact, he's tied up with Phil Sims there. So top 50 quarterback, I guess. So Wally, I have a fun question to ask you. One, what are your thoughts about the Alex Smith retirement? Any overall thoughts on it? And two, who are you voting in? Alex Smith or Julian Edelman? I hate you so much. I th- I could feel you. I wish people could see you, and we will eventually get to the point where you people can see can. me. That's hot. I didn't know it was going to be that kind of podcast tonight. <laughs> so, uh, oh my gosh, you threw me through a loop there. I got to reconvene my head. You're a joke, but we will at some point get to the point where you can see us vid- video-y. That wasn't what I was going for. You will be able to see us on video, and when that happens, you'll be able to see the shit-eating grin on Steven's face before he asks that question. Now. I'm throwing out the last one, not answering it. What I will say, though, is Alex Smith, you brought up him not going out necessarily on the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady kind of high, even Drew Brees kind of getting to the postseason one more time. I will say this. The fact that he got to come back one final year after the 17 leg surgeries, guy could have lost his leg to not only be able to come back and be healthy again, but to be healthy enough to play, to start in the NFL for one more season to let his kids see one more time their old man was healthy enough to go out and play football, that he was fine. It kind of was able to, I don't know, put to bed that memory. Imagine if Alex Smith's final play was that gruesome leg injury, how tough that is on every fan of his, family member. Gee, I wonder wonder if anyone ever felt like that, Joe Theismann. Yeah, it would have been a shame if that happened on the exact same field at the exact same yard line at the exact same direction for the exact same team. That'd be weird. Yeah, the only thing that would be really weird if it was like 30 plus years apart. That's the only thing that would make it crazy. Yeah, because it was the exact date, wasn't it? Everything you said was accurate. That's insane. It's just a crazy story. And I know Joe Theismann's thrilled as anybody right now that unlike him, Alex Smith was able to to come back and actually play one more year. It's a testament to how far we've come medically in the 30 years since then. It's also how far we've come as athletes are able to not only get the surgeries better, but they know how to rehab it more effectively. It's just a, a great story for him. I know it's a shame on how it ended. It was kind of an 
not a pretty exit out of Washington, especially when you consider the fact that he's getting replaced by the guy that sent him a text, Ryan Fitzpatrick, a couple years ago that ultimately was like, hey, man, don't worry about it. They're going to fix you right up. When I had my knee injury, I'm good as new. And then 17 surgeries later, Ryan Fitzpatrick's like, I don't know. Maybe I should have held my tongue on that one. I'll go back to you. Anything that you want to add? But last thing I'll say, very proud, very happy for Alex Smith. I have been dogging Alex Smith for for a while, but I love Alex Smith. I love him so much because if it wasn't for Mike McCarthy's dumbass just being infatuated with him and taking him number one overall back in 2005, then Aaron Rodgers probably wouldn't be a Packer. So I love Alex Smith for that sole reason because he bombed. But he just seemed to be a system quarterback. And you know what? You should hate him because Patrick Mahomes himself said he would not be the quarterback he is today without Alex Smith. He's one of those guys that, yeah, system quarterback is definitely something that you could see thrown around with him. If he wasn't drafted number one overall, I think that the criticism against Alex Smith for years wouldn't have been nearly as extreme. The guy was a good starter. Like he was the kind of guy that could lead your team to a postseason run, which he did in Kansas City. And I know that he wasn't the number one picked billing. Like when you have Aaron Rodgers go behind you, it makes it tough. That makes it hard on the whole legacy, especially when you look back at the draft specifically. But the guy had a great career. Yeah, I don't like that Patrick Mahomes is giving him credit, trying to make me hate Alex Smith for no reason. But no, I won't let that happen. I'm happy for him. He's a very smart guy, too. I think he'll be in football, whether that's at the NFL level or not. We'll see. But I can see him being either an analyst. I can see him going back somewhere as a coach. But he has plenty of time to worry about that. Again, congratulations, Alex Smith. He deserves a good and happy retirement. And now we can officially announce that, I don't know how this isn't sticking, Clowny is a brownie. Seriously, we should probably get that going here on the podcast. That will be our number one hashtag here. But officially, last week there were some just reports, stories, rumors going around. I think literally the next day, or at least the next two days, Clowney officially became a Brownie. Yeah, I'm saying it again. I'm doubling down on that. So he signs on just a one-year deal with Cleveland. He has $7 million fully guaranteed. That's going to include a $2.5 million base salary, $4.5 million signing bonus. The rest is going to be incentive-based. So Clowney adding depth to that defensive line. Now, we were pretty high on Sheldon Richardson being one of those pieces on the D-line. Cleveland ends up cutting him after signing Jadavion Clowney. Saves up around 12 mil in their cap space, so smart move for that. Now, do you think this was a smart move for the Browns to inquire Jadavion Clowney after the year that he had last year, only having four tackles for loss, only playing eight games? Who's the real winner of this? I like the Clowney signing. But getting rid of Sheldon Richardson didn't make sense to me. I understand you're trying to free up a little bit of cap space. I understand that you can get Clowney this year on potentially a bargain deal. But you're taking a gamble still. This is a Jadavian Clowney that was invisible last year. He's proven that when he doesn't have an elite edge rusher on the line that he's with, he hasn't really been all that productive. Losing Sheldon is going to be a big deal, especially inside We'll see now. It makes you wonder how much they might try to play Clowney in the interior defensive line, even on rushdowns, early downs. And I don't know 
I don't know. I re- like I really do believe they could have made the Sheldon Richardson contract work with Clowney. I was a little frustrated. I don't feel like Andrew Barry's really missed any moves. He feels like he's run a basically a perfect ship since he's got there. And this was the first time I remember really being like, dude, this uh I don't know about this one. You have someone that you know you can count on in the inside. If Clowney goes AWOL again this next year, you know there's gonna be I'm sure there's already a lot of Browns fans that would prefer Richardson to Clowney, but that's a big gamble you're taking. I think that Clowney's going to be much better. I I just I'm frustrated. Because I really thought that that six, like you have Billings, you have Richardson, you have Clowney, obviously you have Garrett, uh, Tack McKinley. Like there's so many pieces there that you could have rotated. And I just didn't feel like this was a necessary move. And you see with teams like San Francisco, when you have an elite defensive line, that elevates the entire team. And last year, the secondary wasn't all that great. I told you last week, I'm very high this year on what Cleveland's done. But they really still have a little bit of a deficiency at linebacker, and this could have made it easier. And I just head scratching move for me. I don't know. I I'm a little annoyed. I'm annoyed because I really want to see this Browns defense be better because I think that's the difference. We are just going to have to wait and see because Kevin Stefanski, you know, has made has made comments that they're they want to get Sheldon Richardson back. There's obviously a bunch of stories locally from Cleveland that say, hey. This is not a crazy idea that Sheldon Richardson can be back for a cheaper price. He's going in 30s, turning 31 midseason. So if they can get him for a little bit steeper of a price to add to that D-line, maybe shut Wally up a little bit, have him stop crying, I think that would be the best-case scenario. I haven't heard too, too much Sheldon Richardson news since he has been released. It shows me that everything is pointing towards a return for a cheaper price for uh, for Sheldon. Yeah, And if they can bring Sheldon back, then everything I said, throw it out the window. Another thing that Andrew Barry seems to hit a home run on, it's just for me, when you when you see veterans get cut and seemingly not get the payday they feel entitled to at this stage of their career, they can often feel disrespected. And when you're disrespected, basically to get a guy like Jadavian Clowney, who hasn't really proven that he can do it by himself, that might sometimes make it hard, especially going into that same room, same position group realistically. I don't know if that'll be too uncomfortable to make him enticed enough to come back. I hope he does. I'm rooting for it. I really do. I want to see this AFC North be – it looks like it could be one of the most entertaining divisions that I can remember. And Sheldon Richardson back in Cleveland, I think it just – firmly puts them as the AFC North favorite in my eyes. I could not agree more. I mean, it's Cleveland's division to lose. And they're going to be backed by that defense. We'll see if Baker wants to take that next step. Obviously, comments of Kevin Stefanski coming out. He's expecting Baker to be better this year. Year two in that in that offense with an actual full offseason. That, you know, we said it once, we'll say it again. Cleveland Browns Super Bowl. Super Browns is a possibility. You saw how close they got in Kansas City this year. I know it took a Patrick Mahomes injury to get there. The Browns aren't that far away. And if you can get a guy like Clowney to play up to his potential, why not Super Bowl Browns? And after the Buccaneers, we all know the formula to beat them. Have two backup O-linemen at tackles. Like fucking rush them. Send six if you have to. 
have Pat Mahomes scramble around, running around for his life. And there you go. Easy peasy, a lot easier said than done, I'm assuming. But if anyone can do it now, in the AFC, it is going to be Cleveland because they are loaded at that D-line position, and they're going to be causing problems for O-line all year long. Super Brown, Super Bowl, I'm ready for it. I'm embracing that possibility. I say that now, but you know how annoying Cleveland fans are. I feel for them. I root for them so hard when they're bad. I'm like, you guys deserve so much better. They're going to go like 14-3, and three, still sounds gross. They're going to go like 14-3, and 13-4. Win a couple games, and then all of a sudden, I'm going to have to sit there and be like, is this the evil I have put upon this land? Did I wish this upon everyone? I'm slowly but surely getting there. Let's see how they act. You can't, you know, you can't use the classic line, you act like you've been there. They've literally never been there. Especially, you know, people our age. This is the first time they've, you know, since 03, they've seen a team, a Browns team, go to the playoffs. So you know they're going to be annoying. They're going to be annoying as shit. Just let them be. It's like when Carolina was really good for like two years with Cam Newton, but they kept losing. They went to the Super Bowl. Oh, my God. They would not shut the – keep pounding. Keep pounding. Yeah, you got fucking pounded against Denver. You guys have not been the same since. That's neither here nor there. Let's keep it in the division here in the AFC North. Mike Tomlin for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Given a three-year extension with the team. So he's entering his 15th season. He's never finished below 500. He has hit eight and eight a couple times, but never below 500. Honestly, Mike Tomlin, I'm going to go as far as saying a top three coach in the NFL. Dude knows how to get his players to play, his team to play. He knows how to keep a locker room when there is a lot of distractions in said locker room. Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, Le'Veon Bell, just to name a couple here. I feel like this is a pretty rhetorical question, Wally. Great move for the Steelers, right? Unless you think otherwise. No, I really like Mike Tomlin. Do I think that he's sometimes potentially overvalued? Sure, that's possible. But it's that rare or that question you have to ask because there are some, there's a sect of Steelers fans that want Mike Tomlin gone because, like every fan base, there's a bit here in Pittsburgh that are insufferable that expect to go 17 and 0 this year. Because that's what the expectation is, Super Bowl or bust. And when you string together about five years here, the city gets impatient. And when that happens, you have people want the head coach's head. Now, fun fact, if he does coach through the remainder of his extension, the Steelers will have had three head coaches in the course of 54 years. That's insane. Speaking of the Browns fans, <laughs> could you imagine that? They went through three coaches in two years, let alone 54. They could barely make 54 months happen. It's really a weird thing where I, I say it often because I have moved around. And I've been in both Pittsburgh and Cleveland for a good period of my life. It feels like the same towns to me where they're the old school blue collar, just so passionate about their their sports teams, so proud of their cities, good and bad alike, that when you have situations that are so different, you get to see how both would react. Steeler fans are insufferable in their own right because they're the ones that you get in an argument about anything like, dude, the Steelers suck this year. Oh, yeah, six Super Bowls, six Super Bowls. And I'm like, dude, shut up. Shut up. You've won two in the last like 40 years, I don't want to hear it. 
I don't want to hear it. As a Packers fan, I love it because I tell them they shut up real quick. I'm like, I remember the last time you guys were in the Super Bowl. See, you have that. You have that little bit of a, a fun thing. And again, where I got to be an agent of chaos, I was rooting for the Steelers when I was in Wisconsin because I wanted the pain of the local fan base. Different now that I'm back here. But again, it's it's frustrating from that aspect that any of the Browns fans that you I like as long as they're not going to be attacking the Raiders for no reason, I think that I'll be able to get past the insufferableness of the fan base. But we're getting off tro- topic. Mike Tomlin, great coach. I really like him. If they do draft a quarterback this year or next year, if they choose to hold off for one more and let Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins fight for the number two job and realize that they're eventually going to have to replace him, then the only thing that I can think of is Mike Tomlin going to be the guy that's going to be there for the next rookie quarterback. Because it seems like each of these dynasties that Steelers have seemingly had in the last 54 years, it started at the beginning of that coach's tenure, like Chuck Noll, Terry Bradshaw. Then you have Bill Cowher, Big Ben. Mike Tomlin might be having his opportunity now to be a part of that pick-and-choose process of who's my guy going to be. Mike Tomlin, 145-78-1 as a Steelers head coach. Fun fact, he needs four more wins to pass Bill Cowher's regular season win total, which is mind-blowing. Bill Cowher was there for 26 years, I want to say. 24, 26, something around that. Tomlin's entering his 15th season and is about to already pass him. Is Mike Tomlin a better coach than Bill Cowher? I don't like doing that. I don't like the comparison games. I do. That's why I asked you. Of course you do. But the problem is that Mike Tomlin did have the benefit that he took over a Super Bowl team from Bill Cowher. Bill Cowher decided that he had enough. He had more in the tank if he chose to stay there. And who knows? Maybe Bill Cowher is the one that has another Super Bowl. Maybe Bill Cowher could have been still coaching. But instead, he decided that it was time for him to step away from the game. And Mike Tomlin, it's not his problem that he stepped into a good situation. All you can do is maintain that success. And he's not only maintained, he's done his own legacy stamping on the team. This is a Mike Tomlin team that, yeah, they've had a couple eight and eight years that were disappointing the last few years. They've never finished under 500. This guy has just, he has his team ready to play. Week in and week out, unless they're playing like Jacksonville at one o'clock in the afternoon and week like a week seven, because they always have that one weird loss every year. Besides that, they're always ready to play. You know what you're going to get from them. Yeah, they've maybe underachieved a little in the postseason, but he's a good coach. It's a worthy extension, and he definitely deserves it. Top three coach, I'm telling it. Outside of uh, Bill Belichick, Kyle Shanahan, I'm throwing him right in there. Well, I don't know, maybe Matt Lafleur. <laughs> Let's check it out west here. We had Alden Smith, free agent defensive end who just played the past year with the Dallas Cowboys, signing a one-year deal with Seattle. So he gets the opportunity to team up with Carlos Dunlap, who the Seahawks also signed in the offseason to a two-year deal after trading for him midseason this past year. And just a couple days later, Alden Smith is now has a warrant out for his arrest for apparently a second-degree battery charge in Louisiana on April 17th. Literally just days. I wouldn't be surprised if it was just hours after inking this new deal. What the fuck is Alden Smith's problem? Why can this guy never get it right? I feel bad for him. Honest to God, I do. Because it's not just one thing. It feels like it's 
it's a little bit of everything. The guy just has his own demons he's fighting right now, and I hope he figures it out. He had so much potential. He had so much talent. There's so much money out there that he's left on the table. And ultimately, we want the guy to be happy. We want the guy to be healthy. And it just seems like, again, these demons keep coming up, and he finally has an opportunity to potentially get himself at least a decent contract after this year, signed for the veteran minimum. And, yeah, the likelihood of the signing bonus was fully guaranteed, but what a, the word fully guarantee does in football tech or context, it's misleading. It's fully guaranteed at after a certain date, after a certain point of time with the team, there are stipulations with like good conduct, so to speak. So now if they do decide to move on from them, they'll be able to retain some of that signing bonus. So he really is going to walk away with no money. And if I'm the Seahawks, you don't need the bad PR. It's not like Alden Smith at this stage of his career is going to be that much of a game changer. If they find out that he is guilty, which he very well could be, I don't expect him to be on the team come episode 31 of Lots of Down. That's for sure. Yeah, I will not be surprised. This guy cannot get it right. And uh, I wonder if him and uh, Josh Gordon would be roommates. That'd be an interest. I'd love to be a fly on the wall for any conversation they're having. Now, like I alluded to here, Alden Smith had played with the Dallas Cowboys last year. Played all 16 games. He had five sacks, two forced fumbles, touchdown, 31 solos, 48 combined tackles. So pretty solid year after not playing for four years, coming in as a 30, 31-year-old. I think that he can have a great impact for this Seahawks team that came on very strong towards the tail end of last year. And very surprisingly enough, they were a top-five rushing team, rushing defense by the end of the regular season. Their passing defense, eh, not so hot. But that rushing defense, if you can get to the quarterback, that can change the whole outlook on how your defense can produce. That might, like you were saying, we might not ever see that. Next week, he could just be chilling in jail for all we know. So he might be already gone in Seattle without ever even touching a single football field in the Pacific Northwest. It's just so sad to see that this is the same guy that in his rookie year had 14 sacks and his second year had 19 and a half sacks in San Francisco. The guy had so much talent. You brought up Josh Gordon. It's like you put it on the other side of the ball. What could have been? And I again, I just hope the guy gets healthy and he figures stuff out, man. I just find it very hard for me to feel bad for multimillionaire athletes. Alan Smith, you've been nothing but a problem. I do wish you the best of luck. But at the same time, you're putting your own mouse in the mousetrap here, bud. So I, I have no sympathy for you. We will keep it in the division here. Last story of the day. This is the one I feel like we've been talking about a lot. The San Francisco pick at number three. We've been going back and forth, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. Well, apparently we're both wrong here. It's going to be Mac Jones. We had your boy, Mike Lombardi, breaking that news. I, I, I wouldn't call it breaking news. I guess breaking that rumor. You know, obviously, I love Colin Coward. Saw him harping on that pretty strong about his sources that he has saying that Mac Jones is going to be pick number three in San Francisco. I, I just I just don't don't believe that. Mac Jones barely got any hype all this past year. And when he did get hyped, it just got shouted by Devontae Smith's play, and that's all he ever throws to. The dude's got a loaded offense with the with Najee Harris in the backfield, got Devontae Smith, and opposite of him, he had Jalen Waddle. So the guy was set up for success. Now, granted, Kyle Shanahan 
like I said, I think he's the second best coach in the NFL. That is the place you want to go. But is Mac Jones really your answer at number three? First of all, I love that you said my guy, Mike Lombardi. I feel like you just trolling me left and right today. Not a big Mike Lombardi guy. And I just... That's not what I heard. (laughs) Oh, God. I just think this is the time of year we talk about how often these are smokescreen and stuff like that. Do you really think an organization with two guys like Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, incredible football IQs, intelligent, they're the type of people that are going to have a story broken weeks before the draft for the number three spot that they traded up for. I'm not buying it. They very well could go Mac Jones. I just don't think that this report is the moment that it happened. If they choose to go Mac Jones, that's they did their own due diligence, did whatever. They decided that they don't want to wait around for a guy to develop because that's what the knock on fields and Trey Lance is, is that those guys might be a little green that they might actually have to take a little time sitting behind a guy like Jimmy G, which not like you're learning a lot behind a guy like that. The news like today that came out with Justin Fields in the epilepsy that, which crazy that he's been able to keep that under wraps for so long, the way everybody digs around, especially with fan base like Ohio State and now going beyond. Good for him that he's been able to tackle that and handle it. And apparently with medication, he's been able to, live a normal life and normal athletic life. I don't think it's going to impact his draft stock. If they choose Mac Jones instead of Justin Fields, I think it's purely going to be because of on-field performance. I just truly don't believe that they're going to settle on Mac Jones. I think Mike Lombardi is going to look back and do the, oops, maybe I shouldn't have tweeted that. We're a week away, Stephen. We're a week away. We're going to find out. We can finally stop doing the speculating, rumors, all that. Come. The fall, it won't be next episode, but the following episode, episode 32, we can finally put the rumors behind us. We can see where the guys get drafted and we can actually start dissecting the future. And then I believe if I'm timing this up correctly, episode 33 is going to be just in time for the NFL scheduled release. So that's when we can finally dive deep. We can get back into gambling, the overs and unders, MVPs, comeback players of the years. Rookie, offense, and defense player of the year. That Now we can finally get back into our element here, Wally. May 12th is when that schedule is being released. I can't wait for it because I'm trying to plan a trip to Chicago. Check that. I'm trying to plan a trip to Milwaukee to go see Tame Apollo in concert. And the following day is a football Sunday, and I'm praying that it's the Browns at Packers that weekend. My boys in Chicago, we're going to the concert together. Swoop up the Lambo to the most historic field in the NFL and arguably in sports. I think that'd be a hell of a weekend. It does sound like a hell of a weekend. And I have similar aspirations for May 12th because I'm not going to be a season ticket holder yet for the Vegas Raiders. But I will tell you this much. You will not be missing me too much down there this next year. If I have anything to say about it, I will be in Vegas for at least three or four games. But we'll see. We're, we got to figure out. I got weddings and stuff in the fall, but I will be in Vegas. But your your weekend sounds wonderful in Milwaukee as well. Lambo is phenomenal. Unfortunately, our teams do not play against each other this year. But if you're open to it, one of those games, a little bro date, go out there, flex a little bit of loss of down to the old west side in the biggest little city in the world that loves gambling. I feel like we would fit right in. 
We absolutely would. And don't ever rule out the idea, too, of us going up the Lambo together. I still got family. I still got friends. I know how to tailgate. I know how to drink beer. I know how to eat food. We'll fit right in there at Green Bay. We want to go up there and watch a, a freaking Packers-Vikings, Packers-Bears, Packers-whatever game. I'm all about it. That ain't no problem with me either. Cool. I'm going to throw that one in the back pocket because I know this sounds really crazy, but it's hard for me to find someone to go to a Packers game with. So I'm definitely going to take you up on that one. Yeah, the only thing that makes it tough with going to Packers – first of all, I can't believe that people don't want to go to Packers games with you. Second thing, the only thing that makes it tough with Green Bay is that, much like you know, the fan base is fanatical and it's very hard to get tickets because these guys – have to literally sign up children the day they're born so they can have season tickets by the time they're like 40 years old. So that's the toughest part. But anytime, I'd be more than happy to take that trip up I-94 and and head up to Green Bay with you. It is such a miserable drive, driving through Wisconsin. Man, that's all they're holding on for. Like, Milwaukee doesn't even look that sweet. Like, it looks awesome, and then you're like, oh, look, there's Milwaukee. And five minutes later, we're already gone. Now all I'm seeing is cows and dairy farms. I loved it up there. I I don't know what it was. It's kind of like Canada, though, where I'm sure you guys have seen the maps where it's like, wow, this is New York City's population is like the same amount as like these six states out west, like the Wyoming's, Montana, and all that other world. It's basically like that in Canada where 50% of the entire country's population is like 50 miles from the border or south of that. And it's all like that in Wisconsin too. Basically, everything west of Madison is nothing. Everything north of Milwaukee is nothing. But there's that little area, that little strip. It's a blast. But yeah, that drive through Sheboygan, through what is it, uh, Fond du Lac, that area is rough. So I don't, that part's a little tough, but yeah, we'll definitely make sure we get up there. It's an awesome, you have to be there, bucket list kind of NFL stadium and NFL experience. Granted, when I was driving back, it was a 10 and a half hour drive back to Columbus, the morning after one of the best Packer games probably in history. That's when opening night, Packers, Bears, in Lambeau, Aaron Rodgers throws three touchdowns in the fourth quarter to complete a comeback win. I was fucking wasted. As my buddy, Pat Romberg, shout out to him. And that was a miserable, miserable drive home that I that I drove every single second. It was not a drive that I enjoyed a lot. I've unfortunately made that drive probably a dozen times now between going to Pittsburgh or going up to visit friends, stuff like that. But it's a... It's a phenomenal, phenomenal place. Wisconsin's so slept on. As soon as you cross Chicago, you can take a deep breath and be happy again because it's just the people are great. You go up there. I remember my dad is a Bengals fan. So we went up and watched a Bengals and Packers game when I lived in Wisconsin. They're the type of people that my dad's wearing a Bengals jersey. Were, I can't remember. I'm probably wearing a Bengals hoodie or something like that. And they're offering us beer. Hey, man, come over here. Sit down. Eat some food with us. And I'm like, oh, dude, I'm I'm 15 or 16 years old. And they're like, oh, yeah, dude, it's Wisconsin. He's your dad, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no problem. You can drink then. I'm like, well, this place, is, this place is perfect. I didn't know that was possible. And he got the spotted cow. I personally, I think it's an overrated beer. I just think it's pretty solid, though. It's a nice every, every now and again beer. Very much overrated. I completely agree. The big beer up there, that's really good. I love Lakefront Brewery. Lakefront Brewery. It's awesome. Well, that's what we'll have our first dinner. 
And that will also bring us to the end of another episode of Loss of Down. He's Wally Lukashevsky. I am Stephen Weed. Wally, you already flexed your side chick here in the beginning, but you have any any parting words for our gorgeous listeners? No, you you just said it again. Yeah, we're I've got a little bit of a lot of hands and a lot of jars right now. I don't want to get too excited, but I've been talking to one of our former professors. May or may not call certain games for certain teams. Not a big deal. I'm cautiously optimistic about the news I'm going to be able to share here in the next few weeks, but I'm feeling pretty good, Stephen. Appreciate you guys. Stay listening. And that's all I got for you. As always, follow us on all of our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, at Loss of Down, Twitter, down underscore loss. Again, he is Wally. I am Steve. And until next week, we are Loss of Down. We will check you then. Justin Fields going three bitches. <laughs>